I'm reading this morning from Acts chapter 9, beginning at verse 19 through to verse 31. And I'll be reading the second part of verse 19. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on this name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. After many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. But Saul learnt of their plan. Day and night they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews but they tried to kill him. When the believers learnt of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. So far the reading of God's word. Thank you, Lavina. I'm going to invite Etienne now to come forward uh, to bring us God's word and preach the sermon. Thank you, Etienne. There we are. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Etienne, as Patrick has said. I'll just say for those of you who have met me previously, it is actually me underneath this <laughs> mask. It's the real person. <laughs> actually, and I thought about it, maybe perhaps it's been a show of uh, perhaps how long it's been. We've been a little bit, um, a little bit slack for no obvious reason, I suppose, Julian and I, to just, uh, you know, preach in each other's churches. So thank you. It's a real privilege and an honour to be uh, serving you this morning. I'm going to preach on the passage that Lavina just read to us, um, but I'll say that there's a bit of a context perhaps that we need to have in mind. Uh, Pathway to Life has been sort of preaching through Acts systematically over the, the course of the year. Uh, perhaps two things to keep in the back of your mind, and this would be if you're new to church or, or new to Christianity, that, that uh, would help you make sense of what goes on here. The key character that this is about is a man named Saul. And just prior to this, he's very much a, a hater 
of, of the church, of the Christian church, of Christian people. In fact, he has presided over the execution over one of the key Christian characters, a man called Stephen, just a little bit earlier. And he's on his way to this place in the Middle East near Jerusalem called Damascus, en route to take more lives, to force more false confessions and you know, secure executions to purge the world, really, of this new faith, this new belief in this man called Jesus. And on his way to this place called Damascus, there's, um, there's an incredible encounter that he has with the resurrected and living Lord Jesus, who appears to him and who calls him to Damascus, uh, or to faith, rather, and, 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 and says, you're going to you're going to live for me. You're going to suffer much for my name. And so Paul comes to faith. He discovers Jesus. He places his faith in Jesus. He gets um, drawn into the church in Damascus by a man called uh, Ananias. And then, um, and then we pick up the passage that we read this morning. What I'm going to do is I'm, I'm simply going to work through this passage a bit at a time and I'm going to rely on you guys in the back to just maybe follow along on that PowerPoint. Is that okay for you guys to do that? I, I'll cue you in here and there but um, I'm trusting that <laughs> you can just sort of scroll along as, the, as, I, as I read things here. Thanks. Okay, here we go. Um, verses 20 to 22. If you have your Bible open, just follow along there, or on the slides if you like. Uh, I want to pick out something there. After Saul goes to Damascus, he's, he's met with Jesus. Jesus revealed himself to him. He's placing his faith in Jesus, and then he goes to this place called Damascus, and you read that at once he began to preach. At once he begins to talk to people and saying that Jesus is the Son of God. This man, Jesus, is all that he said he was. He is that big a deal. He is that big a life changer. He is, he is, he is. You can sense this real sense of urgency and excitement of this incredible discovery that Paul has made. Now, can I talk to you this morning if, you, if, if you're new to the faith? I don't know you, but, but, but it's conceivable that some of you here have found out who Jesus is, just exactly who Jesus is, and just exactly how big a deal he is, you know what this is like for Paul. <laughs> how can you not share this with such enthusiasm, with such exuberance? And, and, and can I, perhaps just if that is you this morning, encourage you to keep doing that? <laughs> Don't let that conviction and excitement cool down. Can I encourage your church and my church to continue to fan the flame of holding out Jesus to others? We know that it is when others discover who Jesus is that we ourselves get reinvigorated to re-understand just how precious a thing it is that we have Jesus, that we know Jesus, that we will speak and that we cannot stop speaking. We cannot stop yearning, praying, ordering almost everything about our lives, about our churches, that we too may 
at once. Preach, teach, share, pray, hold out the gospel. Paul remains in Damascus for some time. Um, This isn't in the passage, but we know that it's probably about three years. In fact, I think he tells us in other parts of the New Testament. He was in Damascus for three years. Um, It's an interesting time, isn't it? Away from home, discovering Jesus, sticking around for three years in Damascus immediately participating in the mission of the church and in that time being helped, being built up, being nourished as part of a church in Damascus. Maybe that's you too. Maybe this is the place where you came to faith and at the moment you're living out this message about Jesus. Allow this church to build you up. If you have new believers here, Alveston Reformed Church, build them up just like the believers did for Paul in Damascus. Okay, there's some things. I, I, I apologise this morning for those who like points in sermons. <laughs> You're not getting them. There's no three points. There's thoughts, and, and I hope for it's helpful, at least structurally, for you to take notes. Um, that's all I'm going to say from verses 20 to 22. I want to move on to verses 23 to 25. We read... That after many days had gone by, there's a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night, they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. It's ironic to begin with that the persecutor now is the persecuted. The hunter and killer of Christians now is the one who is the one hunted. His life is under threat. And then we read this really interesting thing that I love that Ellie picked up on in the kids' talk about him being lowered through a basket. And I love the fact that you asked the kids, um, what do you think that'll be like, being lowered through a basket in a city wall? Remember, city walls were very thick back in the day. You could live in them, you know, they were very thick sort of things and and you could easily lower people through them or, or, or down them through an opening. And, and I thought the exact same thing for myself when I thought about it for the first time. What an adventure, <laughs> you know, to sort of write that at the end of your life to say, I, you know, this real cloak and dagger, almost spy novel stuff, you know, uh, was under threat and, and had to be lowered through a basket, um, <clears throat> through a city wall. This is riveting stuff. And surely Paul would have... Uh, counted that in the overall story of his life as quite an exhilarating adventure. Except he didn't. There's a significant thing about this being lowered in a basket out of the wall in Damascus that, that impacted Paul in a way that I didn't expect, that I didn't really see in this text. And I want to lift it out to you. I want to read to you from 2 Corinthians 11, verse 30 to 33. This is Paul talking about himself. Here's what he says. If I must boast, I'll boast of the things that show my weakness. 
The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, who is to be praised forever, knows that I'm not lying. Okay, I'm talking to you about my weaknesses. If I'm going to boast about anything about me, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you about my weaknesses. And here's exhibit A of my weaknesses. In Damascus, the governor of King Aretas had the city of the Democenes guarded in order to arrest me. But I was lowered in a basket from a window in the wall and slipped through his hands. Do you know what that being lowered in a basket was like for Paul? An experience of utter weakness. I was so weak. I was so powerless. Perhaps he would say I was so afraid. I was so anxious. I had to be lowered through a basket in a wall. This is a man who has known power all his life, influence, status. People look to him for answers. And now, now he's a fugitive. Now his life daily is a gift if he's not been murdered. His life has not been taken. He's so weak in his own view that he's got to run through a wall in a basket. Can I ask you this morning, are you weak? Do you feel weak? I, I don't know about your church, but, I, but I'll speak for mine. I, I, for too many times, I think, in the last few weeks, I've heard the words spoken to me that I, I'm at the end of my rope. I don't know what to do anymore. You know, whether that's health, mental, physical, whether that's relationships in your life that are breaking down, whether it's sheer exhaustion and fatigue of life's demands and your job, whether it's confusion, whether it's uncertainty about your future as a church, right? Grief. Morning, <laughs> weakness. That's what Paul experiences. That's what you're experiencing. Perhaps this morning it's what we experience as human beings. Weakness. And perhaps we would say that we'll do everything in our power to avoid it. To construct lives and livelihoods and all those things to avoid weakness. And yet... <laughs> Here's what Paul says about weakness, a little bit further in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 10. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, for when I am weak, then I'm strong. Brother, sister, you're at the end of your rope this morning if you're on a basket for whatever reason would you please hear these words from Paul would you hear it from Jesus this morning that in your weakness you're strong it's only in this point 
of your weakness, that you will encounter the inestimable, inestimable power and majesty and glory and strength of Christ, who is with you, who is in you, who will reveal to you, as he did for Paul, multiple times throughout his life, <laughs> that he is sovereign. That no matter what your difficulty, no matter what your hardship, no matter what it is you're going through, he is still Lord over it. He is still with you. And thus your weakness and the end of your rope is perhaps the beginning of his, the much bigger, better and stronger one. For when you're weak, he will be strong. Would you please wait on him? And may the power of God take over in your weakness. That is the prayer I'd like to pray for you at the end of this message. But I'll just flag it now. That this is what we hope. This is what we pray. That you can view your weakness as the beginning of God's power, God's strength in you. That's Paul's story about a basket. And then the text moves on. I'm going to return to it. Let's look at verses 26 to 28 in the, in the passage in Acts. I won't read it all again, but just look at it for me, will you? Uh, there's a fascinating thing here that plays itself out in Jerusalem. Paul comes back and he, he goes to the church and to the believers in Jerusalem. This is where it all sort of started. Um, <laughs> I want to join. I want to be part of this. And they're all going, no, no. Remember, these are the people who were there. These are the people who watched as Stephen had the rocks hurled at him and his life taken, murdered. And it was was Paul who stood there. I think the text said, young men who executed Stephen laid their cloaks at the feet of a man named Saul who gave the nod. That's that man who's back and says, I want to be part of your church. (laughs) You rightly would say that they are suspicious. They are not sure. They're not keen. They're reluctant. And into the story, as Ellie wonderfully led us in, comes this incredible character named Barnabas. His name means sons of encouragement. He's the one who goes to Saul, he's the one who goes to the church and says, we've got to let this guy in. We've got to bring him in. Now I want to talk to you about encouragement. Son of encouragement. What Barnabas did for Saul was he encouraged Saul. He encouraged the church. He was so effective in his encouragement that Saul joined the Jerusalem church. And from there, Saul, becoming Paul, went to Europe. From there, (laughs) through the ministry of Paul, most of us in this building come to know of Jesus. Wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the way in which 
God used Saul, who became Paul. He wouldn't be in the Jerusalem church if it wasn't for the gift of encouragement that brought him into their midst. So, so how big a deal is it to encourage others, to be an encourager of others? You know, when I think about the thing of encouragement, I, I, um, I think of this. I brought a friend this morning. I, you know, encouragement for me is always the thing. It's, it's, it's a soft cuddly toy. It, it, it's the person who makes you feel better about yourself <clears throat> when you've stuffed up. You say, oh, you know what? It's not so bad. It's okay. It's the person who, who, who are the soft, cuddly ones, and their ministry is really that of comfort. It is that of making us feel better, like a teddy bear. Warm, fuzzy, good to cuddle and hold and comfort, and you know, you get the gist of what I'm talking about. Except what I want you to see in this instance, in this gift of encouragement, is not just soft, cuddly, comforting bits. Church, there is enormous power, raw power, in the gift of encouragement. It's encouragement that brings this Paul into the midst of the Jerusalem church. It's encouragement that God uses to thrust him out eventually into the rest of the world, all the way down to the likes of us. Encouragement, right? I did a, I did a, a, a Growing Kids God's Way course a while back with the, with the lady in our church, and, and, and you know, I thought this is really good because I need to learn as a parent, you know, how do I train my children? Particularly, I thought, in terms of training my children in the way they should go, I need to learn how, how does... How does discipline work? How do we discipline kids if we want to make sure that they are trained and to go in the correct way? And I was staggered. In fact, I felt convicted, somewhat ashamed even in my own thinking, when the course pointed out that when it comes to training a child, and, and look, I'm not a psychologist or an educator even, but, but it said there are two main angles in training your child in the right way. Number one is correction. Yes, we've got to correct our children. The second is encouragement. If you want your child to be trained in godliness and all the things that you want to be, you've got to be an encourager. In fact, most of your time should be spent in encouraging and then in correction and all those sorts of things. And isn't that Jesus with us? Isn't much of what's been accomplished in your life as a child of Jesus due to the fact that the Holy Spirit encouraged you? Not just corrected you, but also encouraged you. Right? What a powerful thing, what a powerful gift, what, a, what an easy thing to gloss over in the story of, of the gospel, in, in, in the life of the church, is that this son of encouragement, both here, well, here as well as in a number of places in the story of Acts, you see his fingerprints all over it. And it's his work of encouragement. Such power, such importance, such a vital thing to be alive and well in the life of your family, in the life of your marriage, in the life of your church. Encouragement. Okay, let's move to the last bit of the passage, then we'll wrap up. Verses 20, well, no, sorry, 30 to 31. Did you notice... Uh, this is a bit speculative, but it's, it's worth thinking about. 
It's interesting that we read, when the believers learned of... So Paul goes to Jerusalem, he's the same thing. He's still on fire. He's, he's talking and debating about Jesus with anyone and everyone who wants to. And I think Paul was a firepot of a person. I don't think any of us may have liked him all that much, to be honest. He was a real uh, full-on kind of a person. Very full-on. And, you know, he goes and he's the same kind of a person like that in Jerusalem. He's debating with the Hellenistic Jews. And just like in Damascus, it's causing trouble. And now they too want to kill him. Just like the other people in Damascus. <laughs> and then we read that the believers in Jerusalem learnt of this. They took him to Caesarea, sent him off to Tarsus. This is a side note, but it's interesting. You'd think that the believers in Jerusalem would go, nah, you know what, he killed some of us. It's only fair that he should be facing persecution himself, right? We always think that the early church jumped at the opportunity to get persecuted. They didn't. They faced it when they had to. Absolutely had to. They protect Paul. They send him off. They say, we've got to hide him. We've got to protect him. They ship him out. And so we, they say, let's send him off to Tarsus. And then we read this. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Once we're rid of Paul, there'll be peace. And it'll go well. And we'll be strengthened. <laughs> And we'll, be, we'll increase in numbers. Again, I don't want to read too much into this, but it's, it, it's this link, you know, that, that for that time you could argue that Paul's ministry was rather ineffective. It was ineffective in Damascus. In fact, he just caused so much trouble. He had to run for his life through a basket. He goes to Jerusalem, he causes so much trouble. They had to ship him off. And once they did, then there was peace and they could carry on their ministry and their mission and so forth. Could, you, could we not say that perhaps often it feels a bit like that for us, you know? We try hard to be fruitful for Jesus in mission and ministry, but, but it kind of backfires, causes conflict, causes issues. Maybe we should just give up. Paul didn't give up, and God didn't give up in Paul. But these were critical lessons in Damascus, critical lessons in Jerusalem. It took at least a number of years of arguable failure before Saul was launched as Paul all the way into Europe where he found his niche, where he was adequately prepared, adequately understood what Jesus has called him to do and then he went for it. Maybe that's you, maybe that's me, maybe that's your ministry at the moment. Hard lessons of Perhaps failure, perhaps a feeling of inferiority. God may not be done with you or with your ministry. Bide your time in Tarsus or in Damascus. God's not done with you or with your ministry. You may yet bear incredible fruit in a time and a place of God's design and God's choosing. Just hold on. All right. That's the end of the passage. Let me now just draw your attention to prayer. I want to remind you if you're weak that I want to pray for you now. I want to pray that you would receive the strength and power of God this morning in the name of Jesus. So let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for 
We thank you for our weakness. It's a strange thing to say, but we do. I pray for those who sit in weakness this morning, who know only weakness but not your power. Will you, in your grace and mercy, reveal yourself and your power to them at this point of weakness? May they know the strength of Christ. May they boast in it, as Paul boasted in it. Father, will you have mercy for those who suffer? Will you let them suffer only if they truly have to? And in their suffering, too, as a form of weakness, may they find your power, may they find your strength. Pray for Olverston Christian Reformed Church. Pray that you'd grant great faith in you, great assurance in your power and your strength, when perhaps even as a church, there is a sense of weakness. Pray for those in ministry who might feel like they're failures, feel like it's nothing but trouble and conflict, tempted to give up. Would you fill them with a great sense of purpose, that you're not done with them, and that in time you will use them exactly as you please. I pray for those who are new here, new in the faith, Lord, would you use their witness to family, to friends, as they share it at once, that it may bear fruit. Would you keep them encouraged? Pray for those who have been in the faith long. Would you revitalize an urgency in mission, a deep desire to pray for and to share about our faith, about the fact that Jesus is the Son of God and all that that means for us. Father, would you create receptive hearts in this community, in the people who are related and connected to this community? And would you create and reap a great harvest through this church? We pray all that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you.